So who or what is a false prophet? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to the Line of Fire broadcast. This is Michael Brown seeking to serve as your voice of moral sanity and spiritual clarity in the midst of a society and chaos at a church all too often in compromise. We're going to talk about an important subject today, who or what is a false prophet. Phone lines are open, but only on this topic, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. We want to look at prophecies concerning the re-election of Donald Trump. We want to ask what we do with failed and false prophecy. We want to answer the question, who is a false prophet? What is a false prophet? What definitions do we use? How do we understand this? What is the term used as in the New Testament? We will also look at how we process this. When Inauguration Day comes and Donald Trump is not inaugurated on January 20th, how do we process that, especially as charismatics? And then how do we respond to some that I would call hypercritics who are dangerous in their own right because of their uneven handed, uh, an uneven handling of Scripture and truth and even ethics? So we'll address all of that, take your calls, but only on this topic specifically not larger election issues, conspiracy theories, other things, Christians and Trump, etc. Only this specific subject of false prophecy and specifically who or what is a false prophet, 866-348-7884. And I will be playing, oh, three clips, I believe, that I think will be very enlightening. We will talk about individuals, but I, I want to talk more about theology and larger scriptural truths and how we evaluate. Let me start off by saying I am not the answer man. I've been saying that a lot lately. I want to say it again. I'm not the corrector-in-chief. I'm not the man that's going to fix all the problems in the body. We have a big body, a big spiritual family. We need each other. I have a role to play. Others have a role to play. Sure, we encourage you to, to send in your questions. We do our best to answer those, okay? But but I'm not the man, right? There is no the man. The, the man is Jesus, okay? All of us are servants, and we need each other. And I have blind spots, and you have blind spots. That's why we come together in humility. So I'm not here in some arrogant way throwing stones. I have concerns, especially within the charismatic movement right now. I always have concerns with the hypercritics, but my focus primarily right now is on abuses within the charismatic movement, the movement with which I identify. At the same time, many of you relate to me, you're non-charismatic, you're non-Pentecostal, but you relate to me for Bible scholarship or culture issues or Jewish apologetics or, or other things like that. So some of you are diehard Pentecostal charismatic, some of you kind of in the middle, some of you quite anti, but let's, let's come together. If we're all saved followers of Jesus, let's come together as his people, as God's children, and let's learn from each other. All right. If you're sure I'm missing something, then communicate with me. And, and if what I say indicates you're missing something, then receive that. And this is how we, we grow together. Amen. This is how I live my life. Open to hear from God, open to receive constructive correction. 
rejecting destructive, attacking criticism, but always looking for things that are helpful, even in the midst of destructive criticism. What's helpful? What can I learn from? Uh, let me just quote a proverb to you from Proverbs 3, and then we're going to dig into Scripture. Proverbs 3, I'll quote it in Hebrew. Al Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It'll be healing to your, to your flesh and tonic to your bones. How do you translate the word flesh? Some say navel. That's a whole other story there. But let's get low and let's fear the Lord, turn from evil, and honor him. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 18 is the famous false prophet passage in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament. So let's take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 18, beginning verse 14. Really, the passage starts about five verses earlier. God says through Moses, those nations that you're about to dispossess do indeed resort to soothsayers and augurs. To you, however, the Lord your God has not assigned the like. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet from among your own people like myself. So Moses speaking from the Lord, him you shall heed. This is just what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, let me not hear the voice of the Lord my God any longer or see this wondrous fire anymore lest I die. Whereupon the Lord said to me, they have done well in speaking thus. I will raise up a prophet for them from among their own people. Like yourself, I will put my words in his mouth, and he will speak to them all that I command him. And if anybody fails to hear the words he speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. Let's just stop there for a moment. God is saying, don't go to the soothsayers, don't go to the diviners, don't go to the fortune tellers, the necromancers, the cloud readers, the Babylonian sorcery, they would read the liver of an animal and, and try to deduce things from that and so on. Don't, you don't do any of that. Don't do that. But I'm not going to speak to you directly. If I speak from heaven directly, people will die of fright. So, so I'll, I'll speak through a prophet. So the prophet is God's mouth, right? God says, I'll put my words in his mouth. Aaron was a prophet for Moses. That's the way God put it. And a mouth for Moses in the book of Exodus so God would tell Moses, Moses would tell Aaron. So Aaron was a prophet for the Lord. He was God's mouth. And then Aaron, so Moses, a mouth or a prophet for the Lord. And then Aaron, a prophet, a mouth for Moses. So God says, I'll put my words in his mouth. And whoever doesn't listen to him, I'm going to deal with. So this is heavy stuff. This is not just, you know, I feel the Lord may be so, you know, I have a sense of, I'm praying. No, no, this is, the Lord says this, you are to go into battle. The Lord says, you are not to go to this country. And the person who wouldn't listen to that, they weren't listening to God. So the prophet, in that sense, had to be infallible. It's like, oops, I got that one wrong. Can I, do I get a mulligan? Not with Old Testament prophets. Now, it goes deeper, though. Let's keep reading. So Deuteronomy 18 then says this, But any prophet who presumes to speak in my name, so in Hebrew, so that word yazid is to act presumptuously. This is not an honest mistake. This, this is a, something wrong. This is someone choosing to speak. Okay, I, whether God spoke to me or not, I don't know, but I'm going to say this. It's, it's presumptuous. It's sinful. But any prophet who presumes to speak in my name an oracle that I did not command him to utter, or who speaks in the names of other gods, that prophet shall die. Umei tanavihahu. Okay, so what's the point here? This is a willful sinner. 
This is someone who is presumptuously speaking wrongly. This is someone who is speaking in the name possibly of other gods. So it's one of those two, either presuming to speak something God hasn't or or speaking in the name of another God, which would indicate to me that a true prophet in the Old Testament would have a sense of when to speak and when not to, would know this is a word from the Lord and when it's not. And when, when they would speak presumptuously, they, they were sinners. Now, where it says in Hebrew, and that prophet shall die, it's normally understood in the context of Deuteronomic law, laws in the book of Deuteronomy, it's normally understood that that means the people put that one to death. It's possible to read it as with Hananiah, the false prophet, in Jeremiah 27, 28, that he will just die. God will put him to death. But the more likely reading is, and the way we've normally understood it, and the way Jewish tradition has understood it, is that false prophet will be stoned to death. All right, now, let's just look at the rest of the passage, Deuteronomy chapter 18. And should you ask yourselves, how can we know that the oracle was not spoken by the Lord? If the prophet speaks in the name of the Lord and the oracle does not come true, the oracle was not spoken by the Lord. The prophet has uttered it presumptuously, do not stand in dread of him. Now, if the prophet could use some of the contemporary excuses, and remember, I'm charismatic and believe in the gift of prophecy and the ministry of the prophet today. If the prophet could use some of today's excuses, well, it really was God, but you didn't have enough faith, then that completely undermines that, that whole idea. Because the test is, does it come to pass or not? So it's spoken in the name of Yahweh, does it come to pass or not? You say, well, what about conditional prophecies? Yeah, that's always factored in. In other words, when Jonah gets to Nineveh and says, it's just five words in Hebrew, od arba imiom yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be destroyed. He, he doesn't say there, and if you repent, now, he could have preached the whole message, right? We just get the summary there. He may have preached the whole message, but either way, Jeremiah 18 says, when God promises judgment, and people repent, the nation repents, then instead of bringing judgment, he'll bring blessing. And if he promises blessing and the people do evil, then he'll turn the blessing into judgment. So yeah, you could say, hey, if I preach this, I'm gonna look like a false prophet. Well, if you're genuinely bringing a word from God that's in harmony with Jeremiah 18, promising blessing and the people turn the way of sin, well, obviously you're not responsible, right? You, you, you gave the word and people turned away, so God turned away. <laughs> From blessing. Conversely, if you promise judgment, the people repent, then God will reverse it. But that's conditionality clearly laid out based on repentance, based on obedience and righteousness. But if I, if I tell you the Lord showed me that in three days you're going to get a call from, from the Biden administration and they're going to ask you to come in and, and be a spiritual advisor, even though they know you disagree with them, and you say, wow, that would be amazing. You're a pastor. That would be amazing. And you just say, Lord, I'm here. I'm your servant. Whatever you want from me. And three days later, it doesn't happen. Three years, 30 years, it never happens. Well, it was a false prophecy. There, there were no conditions to be met. You were there. Lord, so be it. You say, does that same standard hold in the New Testament? The answer is no. Prophets must be accountable. But that same standard does not hold. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the entire body, and everyone can potentially prophesy. Therefore, we are not looking to prophets the same way. Prophets do not have that standing. Prophets do not have that role in the New Testament. Prophets do not have a stature where they say something and the whole church must obey. We are all God's sheep. We all hear his voice, and God does use prophets and prophecy today very, very powerful, and we'll look at some scripture on that in a moment, all right? And then again, 
ask the question, how does the New Testament define a false prophet? But now you can give a word, right? Maybe you're a believer saved for three weeks and, and the spirit moves on. You say, the Lord showed me something. I just want to share it with everybody. And, and, and it's like two thirds true. And the other third was your own projection. Well, the others listen to it and they get discernment together. We don't stone you for that part, but we say, okay, let's, let's grow and learn how to understand God's voice better. I'm going to give you scripture for that in a minute. There is a massive lack of accountability of prophetic words in the charismatic movement. In that regard, I agree with the critics and even the hypercritics. A massive lack of accountability. I've addressed it for years as well, most recently in my book, Play With Holy Fire, where there's a whole chapter on that. All right, more scripture, some video clips, and your calls. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I've been saying, said in an interview I did last night with a religion reporter that we are witnessing the largest scale deception I've ever seen in my life within the church. Those who are absolutely sure to this moment that Donald Trump will be inaugurated on January 20th those who assure that prophets have spoken it and the prophetic words will come to pass. I'm not here to throw stones at you, mock you. If you're absolutely sure that you're sure, well, just know that come the 21st or even the 20th itself, I'm here to help, not accuse. I'm here to help, not throw stones. And I also want to say that while there may be some charlatans out there that are claiming to be prophets and are not even saved, and where, while, while there may be quite a few who claim to be prophets but are not prophets, they're saved, but they're not actually prophets. There are others who are very sincere, who are in their calling, and who somehow have misheard about Donald Trump. You say, wait till the 20th. Well, again, I want to tell you why I keep talking about these things now before the 20th. You'll see in a moment in a clip I play why I keep talking about things before the 20th, all right? In short, the 20th is not going to matter for many. The denial is going to go on well past the 20th. That's why we need to keep addressing things here. But if, if you think I used to be a friend, now I'm foe, just stick around. I'm your friend, and you'll see that's the case. But how is it that sincere people, godly people, people whose names are not known publicly, people of prayer and fasting, seem to believe that God showed them that, that Trump would be reelected? How could that happen? We address that at length. Sunday night on our live stream, we have it up on our YouTube platform as, as well. So we'll get into all of that. But first, let me give you an example of, of really bad theology. I don't know this gentleman personally. Friends of mine that know him speak well of him. I don't know him personally. I just say I categorically disagree with some of the clips I've seen recently. And I would challenge the accuracy of predictions that have been given in the past and, by the same, same gentleman. But I just want you to hear some really bad dangerously wrong theology. This is Hank Kuhneman in a recent message that he preached. Let's listen. And, and I want to ask you a question. So we're seeing a lot of things taking place right now. And somehow I question this. Are you ready? If God's trusted prophets with a track record of accuracy that you trusted for years and many prophecies before, 
How could all of them miss it? And my question is, how then has the Lord chosen to communicate if there supposedly has been this lying spirit in the mouth of his true prophets? Do you think that it's the media that God has anointed to tell the truth and to report the facts? There has to be a voice. There has to be voices in the earth. God does nothing in the earth, Amos 3, 7, unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Yeah, but everybody said he'd be reelected. He was. Yeah, but they said that he would serve two terms. Are you kidding me? Listen to me. Just because you're looking at everything in the natural and predictability. Is this thing even look over? Well, yes, don't you know, in 10 days there's going to be this and there's going to be that. Really, you sound like the people on the shore of the Red Sea. You brought us out here to kill us. You deceived us, you lying leaders. We're going to go back. In fact, we're going to concede. We're going to hand our freedom that God just delivered us with to an Egyptian system of communism. All right, so first, the, the terrible theology. How else is God going to speak if he doesn't speak through his prophets? Terrible theology. As I'll show you scripturally in a moment. Someone asks, why are you bashing others? I'm, I'm trying to help the body. And it's my responsibility as a shepherd to expose error. It's my responsibility to do that. When I can do it behind the scenes and interact with people privately, I do my best to do that. When it becomes public on this wide scale and there's no accountability being shown, then I'll do it in this setting, but only after much prayer and seeking the Lord about it. Because I'm not here to just bash. That's all I do 24-7, if, if that was the case. That's not my ministry. That's not my calling. But I am a shepherd. I'm a, I am a watchman in the body. All right? I'm an elder, so these are responsibilities, just like your, your church, your, your, your pastors and teachers and elders there are, are, are shepherds. All right? So with, with media ministry, the same thing. All right? So a terrible theology how is God going to speak unless it's through, quote, the prophets? Number one, through the Bible, he speaks. Number two, to all of us individually, he speaks. He leads us and guides us. That, that's part of being a child of God. We, we don't have a system anymore where I need to go to the prophet to find out what God is saying. So it's a terrible theology, especially when now the prophet says, you have to listen to me. Now it becomes manipulative and abusive. That's one thing. The second thing, the proven track record, no, that's not the case. There are things that Hank Kuhneman prophesied in 2018 that did not happen with the shift that was supposed to take place didn't happen in the House of Representatives. He's prophesied things that are going to be unfolding in this day, this day, and, and, and states shifting from blue to red. That has not happened. None of these leaders got COVID, right? None of them prophesied in advance it was coming. Those who prophesied that it would be lessened or it would stop, they were wrong. So I, I feel like the COVID was a, a wake-up call not just the, the pandemic itself, but to the prophetic ministry to take stock. Maybe this is not the main calling to be prophesying events that are coming or when this is going to happen, that's going to happen. If there was a valid calling to that, it would have been to prepare us for COVID coming or to prepare us for the storming of the Capitol or to prepare us for the destruction that's coming to so much of, of the country now in, in so many ways. None of that was prophesied in any, in any major way by any major voice in advance publicly. Okay, so we had every reason to question. There's been no infallibility. But more importantly, it's not the way the Holy Spirit works today. 
Yes, he does use prophets in prophetic ministry. I'm eyewitness to it, and it's to the glory of God, and it's to the exaltation of Jesus, and sometimes to the salvation of sinners. One pastor was talking to me about, uh, in his service, maybe a couple hundred people there, a gay man came in there, a non-believer, but came into the service on a Sunday for some reason, and different prophetic words started coming forth, one after another, after another. And, and sure enough, it targeted this man, but all messages of the love of God that revealed the sin in his life and some specific things, they didn't know who it was for, and the guy comes up sobbing and gets saved. I remember some years ago, the wife of, of one of my dear friends very regularly had these prophetic dreams, part of a Messianic congregation, and she had a dream. We, we met on Saturday mornings. She has a dream, night before, the week before, that there's a man coming to the service wearing women's clothes. She saw his face. She saw him. He was what we identified as transvestite. Okay, that would have been the word that was used, leading a double life. And she saw him in a dream. All right? These are friends of ours. We were part of the congregation. And it happened to be one of the times of the year when the service is just packed, you know, high holy days in the Jewish calendar service packed. And she, she scans the congregation, several hundred people, he's not there. She goes out in the parking lot looking, and there he is, the man she saw sitting in his car. And it so happens wearing women's underwear under his clothes. How do we find out? Because he came in and confessed. He came in and confessed in front of everyone and said, leading a double life, I need help. I mean, this is very intense stuff, friends. Very intense and very real. And to the glory of God and to the salvation of, of sinners. But this Old Testament theology put into the New Testament is part of the reason that we're in the mess we're in today. Let's take a look in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And, and look at what's written there. Peter is talking about the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost. And he, and he says, hey, look, these men are not drunk. This is what Joel spoke, verse 17. It shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour my ruach, my spirit, on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Now, when is this for? Last days. So from the time of Jesus' death and resurrection until the end of the age, till he returns, right? So this is ongoing for the last days. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even my slaves, male and female, I'll pour out my, my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And then the end of it, it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of Adonai, the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Uh, let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 4. See, we are living in the era of the outpouring of the Spirit, and it's happening all around the world. We are living in this era of the outpouring of the Spirit on all flesh so all believers can potentially prophesy. That's why there's a new accountability and new structure. Ephesians 4, it says that when Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave some to me emissaries. It's a nice way of putting it. Apostles is the way we normally say it, but emissaries conveys it well. Some as prophets some as proclaimers of the good news evangelists, and some as shepherds and teachers, right? And they are here, excuse me, to equip the body, to equip the body to build up the saints. They are here, and that is their function, so we can do the work of the ministry until we reach complete unity. We're not there. These ministries are still here functioning. Okay, so I don't have time to go to this passage right now, but 1 Corinthians chapter 14 lays out this order, that in a, in a New Testament congregational setting, two or three prophets speak, and the others weigh carefully what's being said. In other words, it's not just, the Lord said, I, the Lord, say to you, and everyone's like, jumps up and let's do it. And someone brings a word, maybe a second or third word, others weigh carefully and evaluate. 
Same thing with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 19. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 tells us, don't put out the Spirit's fire, right? Don't despise prophecies. Test everything and hold to the good. So you say, okay, someone claims to bring a prophetic word. I've had people give me words. Part of it was right and part of it was wrong. Part of it confirmed something that God had spoken to me or opened me up to, to something he wanted to speak to me. And the other part was human interpretation. And this is what happens in Acts 21. This is what happens there. That Agabus prophesies what's going to happen to Paul and others urge him by the Spirit and say, don't go, don't go. The Spirit was saying this is what's going to happen. Others by the Spirit thought, well, he shouldn't go. They, they misunderstood they interpreted the warning their way. There was a real warning spoken. Now they interpreted it to try to get Paul to stop going to Jerusalem. He says, no, I've got to go. All right, we'll be very specific when we come back, following through based on this, the definition of false prophet. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. So who or what is a false prophet? Do my best to be systematic, go through scripture, treat things logically, explain various points. And whatever I say, I'm going to have people on different sides who differ or dissatisfied. That, that's fine. You, you add in your two cents and balance things out the way you think is right. Let me do what I feel I need to do today. I'm going to go to the phones shortly. Phone lines are jammed. I'm going to go to the phone shortly, but 45 minutes from now, a little less than that, on our YouTube channel, Ask Dr. Brown, ASKDR Brown on YouTube, we're going to continue with our live weekly chat. So if you're unable to get through now or we can't get to your call, then just join me at Ask Dr. Brown because we get to a ton of written questions there. All right, so that'll be 45 minutes from now, 4.15 Eastern time, on the S. Dr. Brown, ASK, D.R. Brown channel. All right, so very specifically, I understand in New Testament terms, a false prophet is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Let's take a look in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives a warning, beginning in verse 15, watch out for false prophets. This is the closing exhortation at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Grapes aren't gathered from thorn bushes or fig thistles, figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree produces good fruit, but the rotten tree produces bad fruit. And he goes on from there. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. And then next, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the, heaven, the kingdom of heaven. All right, so false prophets, so they would seem to have some type of miracle, some type of anointing, some type of of power, speaking words. Some of them seem to come to pass, but they call themselves prophets for some reason, right? People must believe it, but they are wolves in sheep's clothing. All right, so let's step back from that and and understand, as, as I understand the words of Jesus in terms like false teacher and false apostle in the New Testament, you're not talking about, say, a false teacher is someone who teaches error on a given subject, but is a believer, sound in other ways, but in error there. All right, no, 2 Peter 2.1, 2 Peter 2.1, you can jot this down, false teachers bring in damnable heresies. Otherwise, I could say, hey, I could make a strong case, for me, an ironclad case that the gifts and power of the Spirit are still for today. 
And therefore, if you differ with that, you're a false teacher. Then you could turn around and say, no, no, I can prove from the New Testament the gifts and power of the Spirit are not for today. Therefore, you're a false teacher. Well, well, I can make a strong case that the pre-trib rapture is, is not scriptural. Therefore, you're a false teacher. If you teach it, you turn around, no, no, I can make a strong case for the pre-trib rapture. Therefore, you're a false teacher if you deny it. That's not the meaning of false teacher, is it? A false teacher in the New Testament is not a believer. This is someone who brings in damnable heresies. So uh, a Jehovah's Witness coming to your door and saying, hey, we've got scripture and insight. That, that person is a false teacher. They may be sincere, but they are lost. They are teaching damnable heresies. What about false apostle? Well, we have that in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15 tells us that false apostles are servants of Satan. And just as Satan turns himself into an angel of light, that, that they too are appearing to be servants of God, but are actually servants of Satan. They are not saved. They are children of the devil. So what does that mean? It means if you're a church planter and maybe you've planted 50 churches that have a network of churches and you're known as an apostolic leader, and, and, but you're really not an apostle, does that mean you're a false apostle? No, I wouldn't say that. I would just say that you are falsely called an apostle, if that's not your real calling. You've been a church planner, but you're ultimately not an apostle. Or if you, someone just uses the term, you say, look, it's not for today. The 12 apostles are it, that's it. There are no little A apostles, emissaries that, that doesn't exist today. So anyone that says they're an apostle or is looked at as an apostle is there for a false apostle. No, that's not the New Testament definition. All right? I would say there are many people falsely called apostles many people serving as teachers in the body and are falsely calling themselves teachers because they are not. Many people who are falsely calling themselves prophets and are not. There are people who are prophesying falsely. That's one thing, just your average Joe or Jane in a congregation bringing in alleged word, and it's not a true word from God, so they are prophesying falsely, and they should be sat down and taught and and shut their mouths until they learn, and if they have a word, let it be submitted and tested. There are others who are falsely calling themselves prophets, okay? They are not actually prophets, but they're falsely calling themselves prophets. For example, I played a clip from Kat Kerr yesterday, and she identifies as a prophet, or people call her a prophet. She's not. She's not a prophet, prophetess, however you want to put it. So that person is falsely called a prophet. And then there are others that are false prophets who are wolves in sheep's clothing, all right? That would be someone who is not saved, someone who is infiltrating as— Here, look at the Mormon prophets. Those are false prophets. Even if some of them are very sincere and, and you know, different, they're not living in immorality, whatever, they're false prophets. They're not saved, and they're claiming to have prophetic revelation for the body. So there may be some people— in ministry today, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, so-called, there may be some people that aren't saved at all. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. They, they are non-believers, and they are going around claiming to be prophets, etc. But we don't know until we watch the fruit and see, and then they get exposed. My issue with hypercritics, I, I appreciate the grief that you, you have over charismatic nonsense. Now, some things charismatic I embrace, you reject as nonsense, but the stuff we agree on is nonsense. That, that's burdensome. 
that's ugly, it's destructive, it gives Jesus a bad name, it gives other Christians a bad name. I appreciate the grief that you have in that, in that regard. Absolutely. But when you will now write me off or others because we don't agree with your definition of false prophet, that's when you become counterproductive. What you should do is join together with me as I've reached out to other critics and said, let's work on fixing this together. But you have to stop demonizing people. You have to stop damning godly people. I mean, isn't that also wrong in God's sight when you sit around and say that one is not saved, that one is not saved, that one is a false brother, and you don't even know the people? Just because this one gave a prophecy that didn't come to pass, or this one taught something you differ with, or this one like shakes during a service, God doesn't like like that at all. The charismatic nonsense displeases God, as does the hypercriticism, both destructive. Let me give an example, though, of why I'm hammering this point about the 20th. This is the last point I want to make, and then we go to your calls. Here's a word that, that Pastor Greg Locke gave. I don't know him at all. Pastor Greg Locke gave this word. And uh, sitting in his car, as he do, he's got millions of, of online followers, Pastor Greg Locke, uh, or, or millions of people watch his videos. And he does say, look, this is just my opinion. That's the way he puts it on Facebook so he doesn't get banned for saying this. But then he's making clear he's 100% sure. He said this a few weeks ago. We played it once online, not to mock him, but to say this is how sure he is. And, and he's laying it all out. Let's listen to what he said. I'm telling you, Donald Trump, with 100% accuracy, in my opinion, ladies and gentlemen, lest I get shadow banned or my page is completely taken away, has won single-handedly the presidency of the United States of America in the biggest landslide victory in the history of this nation. I'm telling you, I'm not worried. I'm not fretting. I don't have basketball-sized ulcers. I'm not going to lose one second sleep over any of it. Joe Biden didn't win. He's not the president. He will never be the president. And come January the 20th, I'm telling you, I'll be wing, bing, 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 winner, winner, chicken dinner, referring back to this video. I can unashamedly and unapologetically tell you right here, sitting in this rental car, Joe Biden lost. He did not win. All right, so he, he made it loud and clear. When Jeremiah Johnson apologized for wrongly prophesying that Trump would be reelected, after having warnings years earlier about things that would threaten his reelection, and where he'd be removed after four years, he mistakenly said Trump would, would win and has apologized publicly. But he started by saying, uh, I'm not blaming it anyway. It's not like a faith. That's just excuses. I missed it. I was wrong. I repent. And I'm doing soul searching, to paraphrase. So Greg Locke, loud and clear, this is after the election. It, he's either right or wrong. Would you agree? He's either right. When Joe Biden is inaugurated, we'll say, okay, if Joe Biden is inaugurated on January 20th and Donald Trump is not, then he'd have to say categorically he was wrong. However... There are others who are already finding ways out. And that, that's why, if you're sure it's going to happen on the 20th, I'm holding you to that, okay? Please don't give me, well, it happened in the spirit. Or, please, please, we don't have time for nonsense like this. The church is hurting. Many Christians are actually going to lose their faith in God because of this deception, okay? It's, it's very grievous. It's very painful. And the name of the Lord will be mocked all the more in the eyes of the world. So listen to what Robert Bullock said. I don't know anything about him except saw this and thought it was worth playing for you. Listen to what he has to say, explaining that really the 20th doesn't matter. It's something God did not ordain. He ordained the office, but the prophets didn't miss it. They, didn't, they never missed it. People are confusing Trump winning with him walking into an office. He's already won. There's no reason to keep saying Trump needs to win. Trump needs to win. He's already won. 
what they need to be doing is using their faith so he can walk into office. There you go. I remember one prophet gave a prophecy years ago. One of the, the, the most powerful prophets I've ever seen, ever known anything of. Met him one time. But this was his prophecy. There would be a time of two presidents, two presidents. The Lord spoke something to me and he said, two presidents, two inaugurations. That's all he said. And so what does he mean by that? I don't know exactly. I have all kinds of thoughts just like you do right now. Right. But I'm telling you, it is at the time of two presidents. That prophet did not miss it. And the prophets now haven't missed it. And the body of Christ needs to quit saying the prophets, the prophets have missed it. And they have no thoughts. Listen, people look at me to apologize for what God said you would be looking until something melted <laughs> because yeah. I have no right to apologize for the word of God. Mm -hmm. Neither do I have any plans on it. All right. So that's just the path to complete deception and denial. Robin may be a good guy. I don't know anything about him, but he's, he's completely wrong there. The word of God, that's the Bible. That's the word of God. Any prophecy, even confirmed, validated, is a word from the Lord. The word of God is the Bible, period, end of subject. Any contemporary prophecy, at best, is a word from the Lord that must be tested. The word of God is the Bible. But here you have the path to complete spiritual denial. It's like praying for someone's healing and when they die, say, well, praise the Lord, they're really alive, they're really healed. Friends, that's denial. That's serious deception. Straight to your calls when we come back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. So listen, I appreciate many of you respect me and honor me. Don't put your trust in me. Sift what I say, look at what I say, examine it by the word. Do that, all right? Your teachers, preachers, leaders, do the same, all right? Don't go bashing others. Don't go reacting. There are many fine people that love Jesus that have been wrong about Trump's reelection. Fine, godly, humble people. Most of their names you don't know. People of prayer, people of fasting, people whose lives would enrich you. Really. I mean, Jesus-centered people who've gotten this wrong. Maybe they saw what God wanted to do, his desire, which often doesn't come to pass. He doesn't forcefully bring it to pass, right? Maybe they, they saw what he wanted to do, but it was incumbent on, on Trump's repentance and on the church not looking to him in an idolatrous way as per Jeremiah's uh, January 2018 word, Jeremiah Johnson. Could be, but either, either way, don't attack everything. Look, don't despise prophecies as in the Bible for a reason, and don't despise prophetic people, but to the extent they are accountable, show teachability, genuine repentance, humility, to that extent, we have hope for, for their, their future and God using them in even greater ways in the days ahead. To the extent they fall into fantasy and denial, or they blame others, or they refuse to be accountable, to that extent, you just, you just write them off. You just say, okay, I'm not saying you're not saved. God knows that, but I'm saying I'm not listening. All right? 
And as, as far as looking at the fruit of someone, yeah, it's, it's not just the words, it's, it's the character. Someone's claiming to be something that's living exact opposite double life, not a struggle or up or down, which can happen to anyone, but living a double life, then they're disqualified. All right, thank you for holding. It was really important I covered as much ground as possible. So let us start with Alex in Richmond, Virginia. And I just need our team to put him on the line because of our system. We've got a software issue today. Alex in Richmond, actually Richmond, Kentucky. Thank you so much for holding. Welcome to the line of fire. Hey, Dr. Brown. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, and um, also thank you for sharing that video about Robin Bullock. I, I just watched that yesterday and was kind of grieved about it. Um, but so here, here's my question. So I, I have this question about global prophecy, but I also, um, when you're talking about Mormonism and things like that and Jehovah's Witnesses, would you put the um, like apostolic faith tradition in that box of uh, of like, if, if, if somebody who isn't Trinitarian prophesies something, like, disregard it? Well, generally speaking, so when you're talking about oneness-only Pentecostals, my understanding is that there are safe people among them, and those would be the ones who don't fully embrace the, the doctrine with understanding. So they are, they are believing certain fundamental gospel truths and an ignorance of, of others. My friend Dr. James White would contend that those who rightly understand the doctrine and adhere to it cannot be saved. So there's, there's gotcha. that discussion. But if someone in a group that is, if, that, if not a cult, but just aberrant, part of the body, but aberrant, someone in that setting brings a prophecy, I would, I would be all the more concerned about its veracity. In other words, I know there's already doctrinal error uh, it doesn't mean God can't speak through the person, but I would be all the more careful about it. I, I would sift it all the more carefully. Look, I've seen God use people whose lives were not that good. I mean, they were saved, but they weren't living that closely to the Lord, but they had a gift being used in healing or a prophetic word. So what that means is the Lord can work through anyone. It doesn't mean you suddenly look to that person, but that's what we do. If suddenly I just said, hey, the Lord just showed me three people or I gave names, details of health conditions, and you're instantly healed, suddenly like, wow, Mike Brown. No, not Mike Brown. Jesus. Jesus did that. But when it comes through any of us, then either pride can come in or people can look to the person. And, and that's why we have to do our best to, to be out of the way as much as we can point it to him. Hey, thank you, sir, for your question. I appreciate it. All right, let's, uh, let's go to Stephen in Tampa, Florida. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hey, Dr. Brian, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Hey, I, you know, I prayed before I made this call, and a passage really spoke to me. I think that as believers in the body, we really need to maybe dissect this. And I came across Jeremiah 23, mm -hmm. and you have 40 verses, literally God labeled it as the lying prophets for a lot of reasons, and how God sees what goes on, and God's judgment will come. And he and it actually says in verse 20 that he needs to execute and accomplish the intentions of why the prophets would even lie in the first place. But specifically what has really spoken to me is verse 25, and it says, I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall... Uh, there be lies in the heart of the prophet who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart. 
who who thinks to make my people forget my name by their dreams. I just think that I see a lot of people say, you don't know their heart, you don't know their heart, but God knows, and it's evident by their fruit. And Jeremiah 23, if anybody yeah, so, hasn't yeah, so, read it. Yeah, let me, let me just jump in, just in interest uh, of sure. time here. Thank you for raising that passage. The longest single passage dealing with false prophets in the Bible, Jeremiah 23, starting in verse 9. And Ezekiel 13 is another strong and long one, but Jeremiah 23 being the longest. It's a devastating passage. I, re- I remember, I can remember specifically, late 82, early 83, reading that in Hebrew on my knees one night before going to a prayer meeting in the midst of an outpouring of the Spirit, and I was literally shaking on the inside. And then all the time doing a Jeremiah commentary, pouring into that. Here's where I would just say it's being misapplied the way you're doing this, with all respect. So, so when you read it, who are these people? They're evil people. Are they not? They are, they are either prophesying in the name of other gods, or they are strengthening the hands of the wicked and discouraging the righteous. So the prophets of Samaria, so of northern Israel, they prophesied in the name of Baal, Baal. The prophets of Jerusalem, southern kingdom of Judah, what did they do? They prophesied in Yahweh's name, and yet they strengthened the evildoers, and they discouraged the righteous. So they, they were mercenary. We see that elsewhere, greedy for gain. For example, Jeremiah 6, Jeremiah 8. They, they were encouraging sin and discouraging people from hearing the true word. They were not just people who had a dream, and the dream was that, you know, something good is going to happen to you next week, and it didn't. These were, these were people turning individuals away from God and his word. So what I've said, because I do believe we need to apply it. That's why I'm so glad you called and, and referenced the passage. I referenced it in my, my Sunday night live stream on Facebook. Here's the issue. The, the spirit of false prophecy is what I'm looking at within the body. In other words, I understand, say, here's a pastor of a, of, of a large church, and he's not teaching heresy, and he's not living an ungodly life, but he is softening the message of repentance and refusing to bring warnings of judgment. It's that same false prophetic attitude or mindset, and that's what I see is so pervasive in, in the body. The, the message that claims to be from the Lord that undercuts the prophetic message of repentance and turning to the Lord. So that's how I would apply that, as opposed to saying that everyone that has a dream that doesn't come to pass or that believe that Trump would be reelected, that that person has a wicked heart. That, to me, would be a misapplication. But thank you for the call. Much appreciated. Remember, 20 minutes from now, we're going to continue the discussion on the Ask Dr. Brown YouTube channel, 415, and any other questions you have in our weekly exclusive YouTube Q&A chat. Uh, okay, let's go to Eddie in New Haven, Connecticut. Welcome to the line of fire. Dr. Brown, it's Eddie here with uh, Bible study yeah. questions I'm always having. But yeah. thank God for you, Dr. Brown, because I get more trouble with these guys. I want to respond. You know, I'm watching these guys on YouTube, urgent message, urgent this. It's like, oh, how much is God talking over here? Can't we just yeah, can, yeah, let me let me just yeah, Let me just jump in one split second. I've been talking about this a lot lately, but just think. The book of Jeremiah, it's a big book, right? But that was the result right. of 40 or 50 years of ministry. Book of Isaiah, big book, same thing, the result of 40 or 50 years of, of ministry. But we're getting, almost every month, books, if you put it all together, all the words, all the prophetic updates, all the insights, all the prophetic right. revelation, it's like 10 times the size of the Bible every month. So even if God was revealing that much 
most of it would be for secret prayer and maybe here and there a word being released. So yeah, it's something, something is wrong with the system. And that's why it's not just looking at these false prophecies. There needs to be a massive reformation in the charismatic prophetic movement. No question about it. Okay. Back to you. Yeah, no, I was saying, Dr. Brown, I, I have a little difference in opinion. I, uh, you, I know you believe in all the gifts and everything. I've been in church, Dr. Brown, for, uh, as a Christian for over 30 years, and I see nothing but maybe 99% of fake stuff. I've been with healing. I've been in services where legs are getting lengthened, headaches are being healed. Meanwhile, I'm sitting next to the guy in a wheelchair. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him, and I'm saying, what do you want from me, pal? I don't know what to tell you. But what I'm saying is you don't see... You don't, in other words, you got to go searching in the woods or here. And where is it? Where's the real? Fair, fair question. If, if healing's for, if healing's yeah. really for today, Doctor Brown, where's the guy in St. Jude's Hospital? Says, yeah, I'm going to stop me, drop me off over here. Yeah, well, spend let, an hour let me, and yeah, clear the let me just say this: folks that I know that that are used in healing are very regularly visiting hospitals, very, very regularly praying for the sick. We don't just have the power to clear a hospital out any more than Paul just had the power to heal everyone. All, right. all the time, even though he's Paul. But let me just say this. If, if I ask for people to share testimonies of healing, like on social media, and I'm out of time here, so just end, we get flooded with genuine stories, but they're not normally on TV in the headlines. When I ask for peop- people to give examples of amazing prophetic words, we get flooded. The gifts are real, but there are a lot of abuses, a lot of dangerous deception. I hope this is of help to you. Again, watch the YouTube video that's up now. It's, it's the live stream from, from Sunday night about the failed prophecies. And you'll see in a few days they're failed prophecies. But let's try to handle this with maturity and with love. 15 minutes from now, back with you on YouTube. God bless.